The other day I had the privilege of uh, sitting in on a virtual sitting shiva in the memory of Reggie. Uh, it was put together by his uh, oldest and uh, closest uh, friends in, in real life. And uh, I was honored to, uh, to be a part of it. Um, it was a gathering uh, on, on Zoom, since you know things are the way they are right now. And uh, more or less, I, I was able to sit for three, four hours and uh, just listen to people talk about uh, their memories of uh, Carl, uh, Reggie, um, t tell some wonderful stories and share some really nice memories. And uh, had the opportunity to share some of my own as well. Um, it was a uh, really a kind of a, a turning point in, in the grieving process for me. It, uh, it felt, as we worked through it, it, it felt a, a lot more like a, like a celebration of, uh, of life rather than um, solely mourning the loss. And it really helped me to turn a corner in, uh, in the process here. Uh, I want to thank uh, Justin and everybody uh, for including me in, in this. It was uh, something I never knew I needed, but uh, turned out to be exactly uh, what I needed. Um, you know, comics fandom was uh, just one facet of uh, Reggie's uh, life. Uh, there was a, so much more to him than that. Um, it didn't define him as a person like it might you know, me, for example, uh, he had so many interests and so many, uh, passions and, uh, just a, a wealth of friends. And it was, a uh, it was really, it's very neat learning a bit more about my friend. Um, and also since, you know, comics was just one of the facets, I was able to, you know, share a little bit of that. Um, and, uh, you know, just just you know, just fill you know, fill the his friends in on some of the stuff that uh, that we worked on together, and uh, I, I was a little bit intimidated when I was invited to uh, the event. Um, these were folks who knew him, you know, in real life uh, for a very long time, and uh, relatively speaking, I was you know a Johnny come lately. You know, I really I knew. You know, uh, but uh, every time someone would pop in, um, uh, I think I was probably the one that nobody really knew from, you know, at a glance. Uh, this was a, a group of friends who, you know, grew up together and had crossed paths in real life, and I was uh, not, you know, I was outside of that loop. But every time someone came in, they made an effort to get my story, to ask how I knew uh, Reggie, and uh, really made me feel at home and uh, as part of part of the group, um, and uh, comfortable, and it was really just, uh, it's hard to put into words the, uh, the feeling that I had coming away from the Shiva, uh, it was a strange feeling of like warmth and lightness and uh, peace in a way. Um, I, I wouldn't call it necessarily closure, but um, it was definitely something I needed to do. Uh, a lot of my friends um, have uh, made it very clear that if I ever needed to talk about anything, or if I needed a shoulder, they'd be there for me, and I, uh, I decided not to burden any of them, um, with my, uh, grieving baggage, which, looking back over the past two weeks, um, was a huge mistake, uh, I don't know how to cope with things. That's, uh, I mean, that's just something that is, um, but attending this, uh, this event and actually being able to speak about, um, 
just everything we had and everything we'll miss. Um, very therapeutic and very, um, I don't know, just, uh, like I said, it's hard for me to put into words, but it was, uh, it was exactly what I needed. And I want to, uh, again, thank them, uh, for the wonderful thing they're doing for his memory and for his family. Um, and I also want to thank, you know, my friends for reaching out to me and trying to get me to, you know, to heal, help me to heal, and uh, and also apologize for pushing them all away. Um, yeah, uh, it's it's been a couple of weeks, um, and over on the uh, on my uh, blog, uh, Chris is on Infinite Earths. I've spent the past couple of weeks not really talking about. Uh, not, it isn't it isn't business as usual um, business as usual just doesn't seem like a thing that really is right now and uh, instead I've just been sharing stories uh, going back through um, <laughs> through all of our old emails and all of our direct messages and, and through our old scripts and I'm just uh, putting pulling together stories. Uh, to cope, to uh, to find you know find a little bit more of that peace, you know, to remind myself that um, we had something very special, um, and we created some wonderful stuff together, and, and and to appreciate what we had rather than only focus on what we lost. Um, and this probably, I mean, this is, I don't know how to cope, is, is a thing. I don't know if this is the right way to do things or the wrong way. I know that it uh, it feels right and wrong to do this, uh, but it's really all I can do uh, at this point. And uh, in going through all of our old notes and stuff, I, I'm finding just, it's... Like notes that we'd written to each other in the scripts, you know. Um, between the two of us, I was always the less confident in my abilities uh, in as far as delivering information and writing and uh, presenting and uh, performing. And, uh, and in going back through our notes, I'm seeing... Very, very few, but there are some just moments of uh, doubt and vulnerability. Um, you know, Reggie actually asking me for uh, clarification on points and uh, for my advice in whether or not we should approach a certain subject. And it's just, it's, it's, I, I didn't remember it that way. You know, I really didn't remember the way things were. It's been, you know, over four years since I've looked at some of these scripts and some of these emails and some of these notes. And, uh, I'm just, uh, it's just like a, a revisiting of, uh, of different times. And it's just been very, very helpful to me. Um, now, now back to, uh, the Shiva, uh, one thing that would be asked was, you know, how Reggie and I met. And uh, being as though um, when I tell stories, they tend to be very Chris-centric. Um, and also the fact that, as mentioned, comics was just one facet of, uh, of Reggie's life. I kept my answers fairly brief. Um basically just just the facts you know um, what we did together and didn't go um, too deep into how that all uh, started um, because you know that 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 would be a meandering and uh, tangent laden story that is mostly uh, focused on me and I did not want to turn this um, event even for a minute into you know a, a very a Chris-centered sort of a affair. Um, 
So I did keep things brief. Uh, I just mentioned exactly what we did and shared a few stories um, uh, of the two of us uh, working in tandem and uh, some, you know, anecdotes. And, uh, you know, I got to thank the guys again for just making me feel so welcome and uh, helping me. Uh, and, And hopefully... Maybe in some tiny way I helped them as well uh, Really meant the world to me And uh, just such a such a great thing to do uh, For his memory and for his family um, That said um, I kept my story brief there But if you'll indulge me I, I do want to share that story here today um, How... Reggie and I came to work together and uh, how we met and, uh, you know, even going back to the very first time that I, uh, you know, heard his voice even. Um, and it's, it's strange because I actually remember the date that I first, uh, heard, um, Reggie and, uh, and I, I want to say that, you know, bits and pieces of the story I'm going to share right now. If you've listened for a while, you've probably heard uh, some of it, uh, maybe a lot of it, but uh, I, I want it all in one place, you know? Um, so I, I feel it, it might bear repeating. Um, the day that I first heard Reggie as part of uh, the Weird Science DC Comics podcast was uh, December 5th, 2015. And uh, I remember that date because it was uh, the day that my wife was attending a Christmas party um, across, uh, well, not even across town, across several towns. It was uh, about an hour and a half away from our house. Uh, There was a get-together, and it was one of those situations where uh, she worked, uh, like, uh, where she worked and where she still works was like right between our house and the place where this party was taking place. So it was going to be a thing where she was going to catch a ride after work to the party. And, uh, and then since her ride was going to be continuing even further away from the house after the party, I would just come and pick her up, uh, later that night. And this was, like I said, 2015 and I was, just starting to get back into uh, DC Comics in a big way. And I wanted to listen to some, uh, some you know, current year DC material uh, on my trip out there. It was a you know, long drive. Rather than listen to the radio, I wanted to listen to a podcast. And uh, that's where I discovered the uh, Weird Science Show. And oddly... You know, uh, I downloaded, like, four episodes because I figured it was going to be a long ride, and uh, I didn't realize that their shows were, you know, three to four hours long each. So, a lesson learned right there. Um, So, I took the drive that night, I listened to the show, and I remember I was sitting outside my wife's friend's house, uh, waiting for the party to wrap up, and, uh, Jim and Eric from the, uh, the show, they sent it over to another segment, and this segment kicked off with, uh, classical music that, uh, that, you know, morphed into, like, a hip-hop beat, and, uh, this would be, uh, Reggie's Recklessness, which was Reggie's segment, and I was just taken by it uh, because it was, uh, I don't know, it felt very, um, it felt very, like, almost academic. Uh, it felt just really very good. Um, and uh, it was, I don't remember the exact topic, but I do remember that it did discuss, um, it discussed comics history, it discussed, uh, Things outside of the comics business that might have affected comics history. It was just very well put together and uh, so tonally different from the rest of the Weird Science program that it couldn't help but to stand out as something special. Now, I, you know, I appreciated 
the Weird Science Show thought uh, what they did was really fun stuff. But this segment was uh, sort of what I wanted out of a podcast. And, um, you know, Reggie presents it, and he's got that that voice that we all know. And uh, it just, it was a very, very good segment. And uh, never in a million years would I be able to guess that uh, he and I would be, you know, partners just a few months later. Um, uh, jumping a little bit ahead to January of 2016, and this is a story that I've I've told before, but in the interest of, uh, uh, you know, delivering everything right here, um, I was a college student at the time, and I was taking a forensic psychology class. Um, among the the final projects for this class was uh, basically going through cold cases and uh, not so much attempting to solve them because, I mean, we were just students, but uh, profiling, um, coming up with a profile for who might have perpetrated it, uh, going along with, um, you know, everything that we had learned and uh, the terminology that we'd been given and I chose to research the uh, Amber Hagerman case. Uh, she's the girl who, uh, depending on who you ask, uh, the Amber Alert was named after. Um, she went missing. She was later found. Her, her body was found. And uh, it remains unsolved even to this day. Um, and I got very, very into this uh, project. Um I don't know if I convinced myself that I would solve it or something stupid like that, but um, I just got very uh, bogged into it. And it came the day to turn it in, which was uh, January 30th of 2016, and I just couldn't do it. Um, and like I said, I've talked about this a time or two before, but uh, I... I was conflicted on whether or not I wanted to actually, you know, put the project behind me um, because I had invested so much time and energy into it. And I knew uh, that as soon as I turned it in, it would be over. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I do get obsessed on projects. Uh, that might be something that is very apparent to everyone, but uh, it, it's, uh, you know, if it's hobbies, if it's academics, it's... Uh, there's a possibility that I'm going to get kind of obsessed. So I found myself with this horrible bout of writer's block. And uh, I had remembered that the uh, Weird Science site had opened a uh, message board. And a very short-lived message board. And it was like one of those blogger app message boards or blogger element uh, message boards which like never showed up right or sometimes like it would take up like most of the screen or sometimes it wouldn't show up at all it was a real pain and it was really ugly but uh i still visited it um probably every day and uh there was a folder on it that was left fairly dormant just saying you know uh here's a here's a here's a place where you could put reader reviews and uh you know, who knows, you might be asked to write for the site or whatever. And so I figured maybe as a way to, you know, get away from writing about the Hagerman case, or the Hag I never know how to pronounce it, uh, the Amber case, um, I would write about something else. I would maybe just distract myself enough to get some words down that... Uh, that weren't going to be graded, that weren't going to really affect a whole heck of a lot. And so I decided to review an issue of, uh, of Tales of the Teen Titans for this um, message board. It was uh, Tales of the Teen Titans 55, uh, one of my favorite uh, single-issue stories uh, ever. And uh, seeing as though there was a possibility that 
um, that you know you could uh, your your words might actually show up on the website at some point. I decided to open a blogger uh, website uh, since that was the format that they used, and uh, that's how you know Chris Chris's on Infinite Earths uh, got started. So I wrote this um, this piece and uh, put it on the uh, the message board, and it, it sat. You know, um, no fanfare really. Uh, nobody really commented on it except for one person, and uh, that was Reggie. Reggie commented on it. I had uh, to make the um, the piece stand out a little bit. I included the ads from the comic book. At the end of the review, just to, um, you know, uh, a lot of us, uh, you know, comics enthusiasts, we, we have an affinity and a nostalgia for the old ads, and I thought that it would make my uh, pieces different, you know, um, to include ads. And uh, Reggie picked up on that immediately. He uh, said that he loved the fact that I included those ads. And um, that would go on to be, uh, you know, something I never stopped doing uh, on the site. Uh, and I continued to uh, post reviews. Uh, every few days or so, um, I was writing them daily on the site, but uh, I didn't want to, like, overwhelm the message board or make it look like I was, you know, desperate, um, which I... You know, probably was, but uh, I would share things every couple days, and every time Reggie would comment, um, and he'd be the only comment, and uh, I, I, you know, I thought it was so cool that uh, this guy whose work I enjoyed so much was uh, enjoying something I did. I thought that was just the coolest thing in the world. Um, so I continued. Uh, doing what I do, and uh, and uh, finally, um, probably a month, month and a half into the uh, the daily blogging, I uh, decided I wanted people to actually see <laughs> what I was writing. So I uh, reactivated my old you know Twitter account and decided that I would start sharing uh, what I did, and uh, you know again they. I posted things, and they largely just, you know, sat there. Maybe occasionally someone might click on something, and that's really all you can hope for um, when you... I mean, I think my following was like eight people, you know. Um, I did follow the Weird Science guys, and uh, they all followed me back. Um, so that was cool. And uh, and this was, uh, you know, very, very early, and... Anytime someone would like or retweet something I did, uh, which was very, very seldom, I would actually send them a message to thank them. Which sounds, you know, you know, maybe a little desperate, <laughs> or maybe uh, a little precious, or however you want to put it. Maybe a little naive to what social media is. Um, but I would uh, thank people. For sharing my work or just liking what I put out there, um, and uh, Reggie was a prolific uh, retweeter of my work and supporter of my work, and uh, I would send him a message, you know, saying thank you, uh, followed almost immediately by a second message saying I'm sorry for bothering you, because I, I I'm part of my you know guilty Catholic conscience is that I'm always, you know, bothering people. I'm always interfering in people's lives. I'm always in the way. And, uh, and he would always write back that, you know, I was being silly and not to worry about it and that he, he liked what I did and he was happy to share uh, what, I, what, I, what I was putting out. And um, it, was just, uh, it was just really cool. Um, Again, that's someone whose work I appreciated and respected so much was uh, taking the time to um, just look at what I was putting out. Um, it really was a a game changer for me, and uh, and, and yeah, he, I always thought I was bugging him, but uh, 
he assured me I wasn't, and that would that would you know become sort of a running gag between us that uh, my uh, you know guilty Catholic conscience would always um, get in the way and would always uh, uh, make me take a few steps back from a given situation. But um, we can go to uh, March of uh, 2016 and. Uh, Here's when uh, I was going to actually start becoming involved in things. Uh, the uh, uh, DC Comics was looking to revisit um, Bloodlines, which was an event originally in the uh, pages of uh, the 1993 annuals that came out. It was sort of a like aliens came and like sucked out bone marrow and and made super. <laughs> Super uh, meta humans or triggered meta human genes. It's been forever since I've read it, but uh, um, they were doing a mini series called Bloodlines, which was you know loosely based on um, the original event from uh, 1993. And uh, the guys at uh, Weird Science they wanted to put together a piece to uh, discuss the history of the event, um, maybe to give context, maybe just to, I don't know, because, uh, I mean, I really didn't need much context uh, in hindsight, but we didn't know that at the time. Uh, now, the thing of it was is that nobody wanted to write the piece, and uh, I really don't blame them. Um, anyway, I woke up one morning, and I had a direct message from Reggie on uh, my Twitter account, and uh, this was the first message from him that I didn't provoke, you know, I didn't reach out to him, this was the first time I got reached out to, and, uh, he, um, you know, he was, he knew that I knew a little bit about DC history, and he asked me if I would be interested in writing that piece about Bloodlines, just going through the history of it, and, uh, he was going to write it, but I believe he and his wife were on vacation in Europe at the time. Um, part of me wants to say Greece, but I, I, I couldn't swear to it. Um, anyway, I mean, I, uh, I jumped. I immediately was on board to write this piece. And uh, it was one of those situations where it was like this, like big elation and excitement tempered by absolute terror and and dread because uh i mean i i, I loved reggie's work i love the the weird science uh site and the, the thought of me going on there and sort of you know stinking the joint up uh was was scary um if you know, if I if you ever see me writing on a site that isn't mine, um, I I tend to treat those sort of opportunities as though I'm I'm you know driving a, a borrowed car. You know, I'm always afraid I'm gonna dent it. I'm always afraid I'm gonna crash it. I'm always afraid I'm gonna do something to you know not hand it back over in the condition that I got it in. Um, so there's a ton of trepidation uh, that goes along with that. Um, you know, I was scared that I was going to let him down because uh, he was reaching out to me. And like I said, I, I respected his work so much and the idea that he would think enough of my work to invite me to do this, I was petrified that I was going to let him down, you know. Um, and that... Uh, I you know, I wanted him I wanted him to be proud of it. I wanted him to be happy that he that he gave me this offer. And uh I don't know, it's it's just one of those weird situations. Uh it's a uh a guy I I didn't really know, but his approval uh meant a lot to me. Um and I really I didn't want to let him down. Um and so I spent uh, probably way too much time stressing over this piece here, and uh, I uh, managed to get it done, sent it over to him before the deadline. They wanted it for a Monday, I want to say, because they didn't really put 
I don't think they put anything up on the site on a Monday So they wanted it on a Monday And so I think I turned it in Like on a Saturday night Or a Sunday morning Right before And uh, Reggie really liked it um, Everybody on the site really liked it And I think That it was with this uh, Article That uh, Reggie first saw that that I was, you know, willing to do research and willing to um, go into uh, depth and uh, detail, and maybe that I had a, a bit of a passion for comics history, which was something that we would share. Um, the uh, the next few days, um, I was in contact with Jim from Weird Science, who offered me. The opportunity to sit in on the discussion of the first issue of that Bloodlines miniseries that weekend on the show. And uh, naturally, I jumped at the opportunity, but just like being you know, offered the opportunity to write that article, I was, uh, I was pretty beside myself with, uh, with terror uh, at, the, at the prospect of doing this. I've never... I'd never done, uh, or I've never recorded my voice before. Um, I, I didn't have a microphone. Um, it was a, it was a very weird and uh, stressful few days that week, and um, I was just so scared that I was gonna mess things up. Um, and uh, <laughs> and I used a. Uh, uh, the, the microphone that was on my cell phone headphones You know, that's how we recorded this Because I didn't have a mic And, uh, I mean, they weren't going to tell me To go out and buy, you know, a $70 snowball or whatever So, uh, it was a, it was a, a good time um, And, and I, I, like I said, I've told this story before uh, uh, Before we started recording Reggie had a power outage at his house So he couldn't be part of it So it was just uh, the three of us And then the first time we recorded it It didn't record So we had to record it again And um, It's just, you know, kind of a trial by fire for me I'd never been a part of one of these uh, These sessions before So I didn't know the ins and outs And uh, the potential for, you know, hiccups and hurdles And uh, it was uh, it was quite the experience But it went well um, now During the recording, uh, Jim from Weird Science He asked if I'd be interested in doing a uh, weekly segment with Reggie Um and uh, I, I doubt I even let the him you know the the words co- finish coming out of his mouth before I said yes, and uh, this was the third in a series of half excitement, half terror, uh, you know, situations I, I put myself into, and uh, but I, I knew I didn't want to you know put pass up this opportunity. Um, I still didn't know Reggie at this point. Uh, all I knew was that uh, I was intimidated by him. Um, he comes across as a uh, very intelligent, uh, passionate. Uh, he's very professional. He's very articulate, and uh, his voice is uh, is is fairly uh, booming and bombastic. Um, I was uh, very nervous. Because, uh, I mean, I'm telling my own story right now And I am I feel like I'm coming across as a, you know, as a stammering and stuttering uh, fool uh, I just didn't have, and, and still really don't have, the confidence in my abilities to, uh, to keep up Is what I thought And, uh, and, I, and I mean, I, I would eventually tell him <laughs> of my uh, intimidation and trepidation And he'd laugh and laugh and uh, laugh quite a bit um, And uh, would uh, Razz me about that Going forward But uh, Now um, A couple days after that I reached out to him To see what he had in mind For uh, the segment That uh, we'd been offered And um, The way it was presented to me 
was uh, we'd be talking about old comics. Um, the Weird Science program covered you know that week's books. You know, so it was if it was you know May first, they were covering the books that came out the week of May first. Um, but uh, Reggie had another idea. Um, he knew that we both shared this. Uh, deep love and appreciation for comics history And uh, His idea for the segment uh, From the very start Was to uh, cover uh, in, in, in brief uh, Some of the more interesting and weird uh, Bits and pieces From comics history And so uh, Weird comics history Would be born here um, It was a weird science show So we wanted to you know keep it I guess on brand, you know. Um, now we would put our heads together to figure out what would be the best way to launch. And um, like I said, this was a DC Comics podcast, so we wanted to keep it DC specific, and uh, we would settle on the uh, DC implosion. And this was, you know, early 2016, so it was before there was that wonderful Tomorrow's book. Uh, covering the implosion era um, And information online was fairly PC You know, we'd, we'd have to go a whole bunch of different places To get a, a accurate, or a, as accurate a possible, as possible a timeline um, Also, since this was a segment uh, We wanted to keep it relatively short uh, We wanted to keep it to 10 to 15 minutes Um so this wasn't going to be quite as deep a dive as we would have wanted to go uh, on the implosion here. I mean, because the implosion is a... Uh, it's something you could talk about for much longer than 15 minutes. Um, and uh, in uh, our last conversation um, a couple weeks ago, we discussed revisiting. The DC implosion It was one of uh, several ideas that we had To uh, To get uh, More content out this uh, Summer Um, The DC implosion was one We also uh, Were very excited about um, Talking about Proto-Vertigo It was a lot of of good stuff That was going to come out um, This summer Um now, uh, I, I looked and looked and looked for um, an outline for this episode, and I couldn't find it. Um, I, I do recall it being very sparse, um, because it was 10 to 15 minutes. We wanted to make sure that it was brief to the point, only giving the uh, most salient facts and uh, really just the... You know, inch deep, mile wide on the subject. Uh, we, you know, we didn't. Uh, since the, our segment was going to be so different from the rest of the program, we didn't want to turn everybody off by monopolizing a whole lot of time on the uh, on the episode with, you know, with more or less a lecture uh, starring or featuring uh, one one good podcaster and me. Who was still using his, you know, uh, 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 cell phone, <laughs> head, headphone microphone. Uh, now, uh, I got the script. We, we worked in uh, Google Docs, um, which, if you've ever recorded anything with me, it's become what I rely upon to uh, get information back and forth and to keep everybody on the same page. Um so I get this Google Doc, and you know, you you, it felt like I had you know, quote unquote, made it. You know, um, I'd never been, um, you know, part of this process, and to be part of it, even in this very small way, it was just a, it was a, a, it was emotion that I can't even put into words, and it's both, you know. Silly and sad I guess But uh, It felt like I was You know Accepted I was part of this And I was a 
I had input and I mattered. Um, so this was a, it was a good feeling, a very good feeling. I, I don't know if it makes any sense, um, but it uh, it really did a lot for me. Um, and uh, you know, it's been a very long time since I've listened to these episodes, and uh, I still I haven't been able to go back and listen to them um, you know, over the course of the past couple of weeks. Uh, it's, I'm just not ready for that yet. But the last time I did listen to them, I, it's, it's so strange. I couldn't get over the feeling that, uh, that we sounded so young. Um, and, and we weren't. I mean, this was four years ago. But we sounded like kids uh, compared to what we would eventually sound like. And, uh, you know, that's not an indictment on, on any great leaps and bounds of improvement from me or anything. It was, I don't know, there was this odd, like, charming naivete to it. Um, and we both sounded just so very young. I've listened to uh, a few of the older ones as I was, like, doing re-edits uh, to... You know, move things to certain feeds and stuff uh, within the past year, and yeah, we just sound so young. Um, and I maybe I'll uh, I'll include that episode because it is very short. Uh, maybe I'll include that episode at the end of this, just to uh, I don't know, just to kind of put a cap on this story, but. Uh, uh, the segment itself, um, I was very nervous. Um, I was very, very nervous about it, and it took, you know, I want to say it was like a, maybe like a 10, 11-minute segment, and it took every bit of two hours to do. Um, I was just so, uh, I was like so amped up. And I didn't want to... I didn't want to say anything wrong. I didn't want to embarrass the show. I didn't want to embarrass Reggie. And I, I wanted to present information, but still also, you know, show a bit of uh, personality. You know, because the Weird Science program was very, very personality-based. Um, the listeners to that program know... The hosts, they know their personalities. They know what makes them tick in a lot of ways. And, uh, and I, I wanted to... I, you know, I didn't want to be just so different from the show. And I uh, wanted to you know, just show a little bit of who I, who I was. Um, and, of course, I was still using that awful headphone microphone. Um, actually, I think... I think I'm using it right now plugged into my actual mic. Uh, so I was just using the headphones that are in my ears right now, except I'm not, I wasn't using the microphone that I'm literally talking into. Um, now, I was nervous, of course. Reggie knew it. He could tell. Uh, but he, uh, he went out of his way to ensure that... Um, that I was able to get through it. Um, there were tons of uh, starts and stops and, and trashing uh, bad audio or I flubbed something or maybe I interrupted him and it was just... It, I was kind of all over the place because this, you know, this is the first time I was doing something like this. Um, now, my... Like, a problem that I have with recording even to write this minute, is I have um, great difficulty starting or ending uh, shows. Um, and especially back then, the opens and the closes were the only bits that weren't uh, almost completely scripted. Um, if you've listened to any episode of the Cosmic Treadmill, when... We'd be running down our, you know, social medias and our emails and how to get a hold of us. Reggie carried that because I was just, uh, I could never get through it. 
despite doing it every week for a couple of years, a few years, I, I could never get through it without messing it up. And, uh, and you know, I stammered through this and we had to just keep starting over because I was just so lost. You know, I, it's, I, yeah, I was just, it was this weird thing where I wanted to sound professional but also sound like I had a personality and I couldn't get the two to jive. I, I, I still, I'm not sure that I can do such a thing. So after like the dozenth time that we had to restart it, um, I was like so embarrassed and, and I was like kind of like wincing because I was just waiting for Reggie to be like, maybe this isn't going to work. You know, I, I was very nervous about that. And, you know, we did get through it. We got through this episode. He didn't, he, he didn't hang up on me. We got through the episode, and uh, it did take a few hours, like I mentioned, but uh, we got it done. And after we hit stop, you know, I'd never been, like, part of the process of a podcast before. I didn't know what might go into it. I didn't know that... You know, after you hit stop, do you just say, okay, see you around, hang up? Or do you actually stay on and do you talk? Do you... I didn't know any of that stuff. Um, I, you know, I'm socially awkward at best. <laughs> it's uh, probably very apparent. But, uh, you know, we, we finished the recording. And, you know, I was getting ready to, uh, you know, go on with the rest of the day. And... He, uh, he asked me if I had a minute to talk. You know, um, he, uh, he asked if I had a minute to talk, and, uh, instinctively I thought that, um, he was gonna tell me that, hey, we got this one done, let's quit while we're ahead, <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, this would just be a one-and-done segment, you know, um, but that wasn't it. He uh, he actually just wanted to talk. Um, he could tell that I was intimidated. Uh, he could tell that I was nervous, and I think he could tell that he was a big part of that. That his ability and his professionalism um, and his uh, you know vocal charisma were things that. Uh, that made me nervous, um, and that made it so I was going to stumble um, in in this project. And he wanted to uh, he wanted to fix that. So, you know, we went from uh, just being a couple of guys put together to talk about comics history for ten minutes to actually talking for, you know, an hour or two afterwards about, you know, our real lives. Um, we, uh, we shared our, like, our secret origins, you know, um, how we got into the comics hobby. Um, we got to talk about other hobbies that we had, things that we were passionate about. Um, you know, right off the bat, I, I learned, you know, what a, what a, he was a huge collector of, uh, New York and, uh, World's Fair ephemera, you know, he was, a, he was really into that, um, he loved New York history and, uh, could, could tell you some of the most amazing stories about New York history, um, just almost anything you could bring up, he was able to relate to some, like, fascinating bit of uh, New York history. It was amazing. Um, and, uh, you know, despite living there myself for 20 years, I didn't, I didn't know any of it. So it was just very interesting to, to learn from him in, in ways that weren't, you know, comics and podcast-based. Um, I, I learned about his wife, he learned about mine, uh, we talked about our families, uh, 
uh, our parents. Um, he, you know, he loved cats, uh, the, the, the animal, you know, not the musical. Maybe he liked the musical, I don't know. Uh, he also told me his real name. In our first, you know, heart-to-heart, he told me his real name. And uh, that was very special. Um, it was this weird bonding, you know, that I wasn't I wasn't expecting. Um, I don't make friends easy, you know, um, and I've said that. But here I made one, and uh, and he knew that this is what I needed to flip that switch. And I never felt that nervous again. Uh, recording with him, working alongside him, became second nature from that point on. It just, it felt normal. It felt what it, like it was supposed to be. And it was just a very special conversation. And uh, one I, I just really wanted to share here uh, with you all, because uh, if not for for him, if not for Reggie, if not for uh, his mentorship, his friendship, my life would be a whole lot different right now. Um, I wouldn't have found this outlet that makes me so happy, you know, I wouldn't have been able to uh, do any of this. And uh, he really enriched my life. Um, he meant and, and continues to mean very, very much to me. Um, and I, I thank you all for listening uh, still. Um, uh, this was a story I've wanted to tell for a little while now and just uh, didn't know that I could get through it. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's really about all I, I have to say today. Um, thank you all again, and hopefully I'll uh, be talking to you again real soon. episode of Weird Comics History. My name is Reggie. And I'm Chris. And we're going to be here every week to bring you some Weird Comics History here on the Weird Science DC Comics blog.blogspot.com podcast. This week we're going to be talking about the DC explosion and to do that we're going to have to go way, way back to 1976. Gerald Ford is in the, in the White House and Watergate is already done and over with. Nixon is home and uh, Yorba Linda sipping on his uh, daiquiri. Uh, the Bicentennial is in full swing, and a new person has been hired at DC Comics. Yes, her name is uh, Jeanette Kahn. She was brought in as a publisher. She was a uh, Harvard graduate who uh, went into uh, publishing on her own. She, uh, she uh, did a uh, magazine called Kids, which was uh, for kids by kids. Uh, the kids wrote the stories. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and it was a, uh, it was a very uh, so, sort of relevant uh, yeah, uh, magazine. Uh, Probably very it. profitable. I have a feeling since kids, you can pay, sure. you can pay them very little. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't th- I don't think there were any label laws. Um, <laughs> yeah, they uh, wrote about diversity, uh, the environment, uh, all all those uh, hot button issues that are still uh, still uh, around us today. Yeah, good job, kids. And, yeah, how about that? They uh, <laughs> they are the future. <laughs> and uh, she also did one uh, for uh, Scholastic called uh, Dynamite. Yeah. And uh, caught the eye of uh, DC. They brought her on in, and uh, this was during a time where they were getting regular price increases. Uh, we talk about the price increases now, and uh, I guess 
it seemed like back then, like every fourteen or fifteen months, there was a bit of a hike. Definitely, yeah, and, uh, and, it, and it was it was a war sort of between Charlton, uh, Marvel, and DC, just you know to try to keep their price a nickel lower, you know, a dime lower as long as they could and make a big stink out of it. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, like still just twenty cents. Exactly, but it, it's only so long you can do that before you start, you know, losing big money. Absolutely, and uh, in order to uh, to kind of uh, circumvent any kind of backlash, uh, one of her first uh, one of her first things she did was uh, try to add pages to uh, to the higher selling books uh, to counterbalance the the price increase. And uh, in those extra pages, they would do. Uh, sometimes they would just expend, extend the, extend the story, like in uh, Justice League, and other times they would do a backup. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you'd have the high selling books with a kind of a second tier character uh, carrying up the back end, gives them a little bit more uh, gives them a little bit more visibility in the market as well. And uh, this was around the time that they they decided to, to work the uh, the DC explosion out, where uh, they were trying to. As we were talking about the first time, they were trying to kind of vie for the uh, newsstand uh, market. That's right. You, you really got to understand that this time there was no direct market. There were not a lot of comic stores. Pretty much all comics were being sold on newsstands and through pharmacies and uh, whatever else, corner stores. Candy shops. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And these guys, they would oftentimes, they would order, you know, give me you know, the new Batman, the new Superman, the new Spider-Man, whatever, and then... Fill in the rest with whatever the hell you got on hand. So, yes. yeah, Jeanette Kahn's idea was by increasing just the number of titles available, there was more the chance more to be in there. Yeah, more likelihood to get pulled. As a matter of fact, she said, uh, being in a more profitable format for the retailer, our comics should be a little easier to find. Most harder to find comics will get better distribution, which was her nice way of saying. We're going to try to flood the market <laughs> with with products, and, uh, and they try did. To they, the others out. they fairly well did. I think they added something like uh, sixteen new titles in 1975, 21 in nineteen seventy six, twelve in nineteen seventy seven, and uh, they had also split them up into different lines uh, for reasons that I'm not really sure why they did that. But uh, they had the superheroes line, which would be the people you'd expect: uh, Superman, Shazam. Uh, you know, Wonder Woman, those those core guys. Uh, Mystery Tales, which would have been House of Mystery and House of Secrets and probably whatever other Swamp Thing-type tales. And then there was their fantasy line, their all-new adventure line, which was really a new thing for them trying to compete with Marvel's Conan. Um, yeah, a lot of swords and sorcery type of... Uh, yeah, exactly. It was, it was definitely, uh, you know... Barbarians and, and magicians and monsters and whatever, and, and uh, they had a few guys on there. Tor, uh, Beowulf had a, had a title, but Warlord is really the only one that uh, I know of that came through the other side uh, of the '70s and was popular still even into the '80s. Yeah, popular enough to spawn a few uh, spin-offs of his own uh, in uh, like Arion and I think Iraq. Yeah, might have come out of that as well. Yeah, they also had. Uh, Perhaps the strangest uh, imprint was the DC TV story, uh, <laughs> series, um, where uh, there, there were a few uh, DC programs on television like there is today, and uh, including Shazam, Isis, and the ever-popular Super Friends. Yep. They all had their own stories. Uh, curiously, uh, there was also a Welcome Back, Kata uh, series. Yeah, perfect comic property for some reason. You would figure, correct. <laughs> <laughs> that is, uh, that's an odd one. I don't know... Uh, I, I really don't know the, 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 the train of thought behind that. No, I don't understand it at all, but uh, I, I do actually have one of those myself, as I mentioned the first time, written by Arnold Drake, which is, yes. really, which is the only reason I have it, but I do find it's, I kind of get a kick out of it. Uh, I do like uh, that they actually they actually speak with they they actually speak with their accents. Yeah, they do. <laughs> in the book, which usually annoys me, but in 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 Kata, it's it's endearing. It's their, it's their best approx- approximation of Brooklynese in type. So you know, it's they the give Kata. It, they, <laughs> <laughs> up your nose with a rubber hose. What? Where? So. Uh, <laughs> So anyway, we move into 1978. It's a big year for DC. This is going to be the year that the first Superman movie is debuting, and uh, Warner Brothers is really lining up. They're really, you know, getting pumped up behind the comics. But in February of 1978, tragedy struck when a horrible blizzard uh, fell across the 
northeast coast and really stopped distribution for DC and I would assume other periodicals as well, but uh, there were newsstands that couldn't get DC product after that for weeks and months. Really slowed things down. Uh, and for some reason, it's unclear to me why, but it seems like Warner Brothers got cold feet. And before this little uh, DC explosion uh, experiment had started, or really had really reached its full fruition, uh, Jeanette Kahn's full publishing plan, uh, they pretty much cut it off at the knees. They fired uh, two members of staff, and they cut the entire line down to, I think, what was it? They took off like a like a, somewhere between a quarter and a third of their line, like within a month. Yeah, and they, and they collapsed it down only to the most reliable heroes, Superman, Batman. Yes, <laughs> uh, that would have been cool. But uh, you know, they they kept the western. They kept uh, probably the. I remember the uh, horror comics going on into my young childhood, so they kept those around, but. A lot of these other comics, they went, they got cut. And a lot of comics that were already penciled or inked and waiting to be colored, they got canned also in mid-production, which is unusual. Yeah. Uh, so they, they, they really just cut this thing off at the knees. Yeah, that's why they had to throw, uh, they threw some of them into that canceled comics cavalcade just in order to preserve the copyrights. That's right. Uh, you, you can't really, you can find copies of these online. If you're interested, they are feature Stories uh, of characters like Prez and the Green Team, and I think there's even uh, Shade the Changing Man. Shade the Changing Man was, is on is in there. Uh, there. Might be a Firestorm as well. That's right. We 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 did forget forget to mention that Firestorm was part of this DC explosion. Also, this was also I guess when they must have acquired those Charlton characters like Blue Beetle and mm. Firestorm and Shade, and they were just giving them a spin. Uh, but all that kind of got wiped away, and DC really contracted for uh, quite a little while until 1980 when Marv Wolfman and George Perez began the new Teen Titans, which almost inarguably kick-started DC again, and they became... Yeah, set uh, the standard. Exactly. They started to become more of the company that we would know going into the 80s, doing uh, you know runs by Alan Moore and classic authors like that. So... Uh, All's well that ends well. Uh, the last thing Chris and I wanted to talk about, though, was to contrast this to the new 52, because when that began, I thought it smacked of this whole DC explosion thing tremendously, uh, even down to the way they were bringing out all these weird Bronze Age properties like Kirby's Fourth World. And, yeah, O'Mac uh, was in there. O- O'Mac had, had his own title. It wasn't too long before they actually did do a green team title, I think, that <laughs> new, which was one of the weirder choices they ever made. Yes. Uh, it, it, it really was similar, you know, they increased the whole line to 52 titles, and I remember when uh, they were talking about all the great new things to come, that was one of them, that they were going to do 52 titles a month, and my thinking was, who are they telling this to, you know? Exactly. I, I don't want to buy 52 titles a month, I don't think my retailer wants to try to shift 52 titles a month from, you know, one publisher, that's a lot, you know, that's a lot <laughs> to get someone to get, dive in on. <laughs> Even though we're in the direct market, uh, you know we're we're shoulders deep in the direct market at this point. It's uh, it's still uh, shelf space is still somewhat of a premium. Oh sure, um, and uh, and DC is unfortunately not the only publisher that's trying to flood the market these days. Oh yeah, well now we're kind of seeing that again with Marvel, and it looks like DC's doing a Me Too event with Rebirth. It's it's part of the. Part of the uh, part and parcel of the business, I guess. You know, you don't want to have too much image laying, lying around. But, Absolutely. you know, when you when your product is sort of thin... Uh, Just add some covers. It's not going to... Yeah, you know, it's, it's sort of... It's sort of mess it up. Uh, you know, the difference, the difference between the new 52 and the DC explosion, besides being in two different eras, is that one is, like you say, shoulders deep in the direct market. So it's no longer a matter of filling in the gaps of these... Uh, spurious, you know, catch-all, give me 80, whatever comics orders, they're trying to, you know, they're trying to get people to buy 52 issues of comics a month. And follow, absolutely. And follow all of them. And and that's very uh, ambitious. And selfish. <laughs> there is, a, I, I agree with you. I agree that, that that is very selfish of you, especially when you're not going to make 52 titles worth following, you know? Like, yeah. that's, that's your, that should be your first concern is make a comic that if someone wants to buy every month. Uh, if you got that, then you got the hooks in them, now you can start to uh, wiggle the line. But anyway, that's enough euphemisms for one episode <laughs> of Weird Comics History. 
Uh, we hope yeah, you've enjoyed it and maybe you've learned something or maybe you'll be able to tell us something. And you can do that by contacting me on Twitter at Reggie Reggie or you can contact Chris. I'm at Ace Comics. On Twitter, and you can also check out Chris's blog. I implore you to check it out at chrisisoninfiniteearths.blogspot.com. He does a new review every day of a really weird comic, usually, where he's writing for uh, other websites, so you should definitely get on his tip and follow it. And uh, if you want to write hate mail or love mail, you can write it to this website, to this uh, podcast, whose email I've forgotten. But hopefully Jim will have mentioned it in the beginning. There's, there's, a, there's a nice little envelope on the on the website where you can just exactly click on. That, that'll help you out. So you, since you won't be listening to this without the pod, that other podcast, you should be able to figure it out. Until next time, I'm Reggie. I'm Chris. And everybody, stay weird. Yeah, here they come. Hey, look out, jump into Justice League. The Justice League. Superheroes all always on the ball. It's the Justice League. The Justice League takes big trouble with a capital B. A super colossal calamity. A tremendous, stupendous catastrophe to bring them all out.